the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 261 for May 29th, 2011. Microsoft announces a mango, Google shows us a wallet, and HTC unlocking the boot, loaders. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show was also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. And starting this week, The Cell Phone Junkie Android app is also available in the Amazon App Store. The app is the same as the one created for the Android market, though Amazon has some nice features, such as a way to test drive the application through the web-based store. Still just $1.99. Check out the best way to access The Cell Phone Junkie while on the go, now in the Amazon App Store. Well, happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody out there. And we've got a shorter show this week, just not a lot of news. But we want to first start off by talking about the iWrap uh, skin devices. So back in February, we reviewed the iWrap invisible skins for both the iPhone 4. And then Joey looked at the version for the Palm Pre. Now, three months later, we want to talk about our experiences with this product and just what we've seen with it. And we, we often go through a lot of products and don't follow up with them just because there's something new and better and whatever that comes around. But uh, the typical lifespan for these types of products, in my experience, has only been a few months uh, before it starts getting yellow and starts peeling. And one of the things that uh, is really telling about this product, the iWrap, is that it is absolutely the same, looks the, looks the same as the day that I put it on. I have been totally impressed with the version here for the iPhone. Um, I have both on the front and the back of the device uh, just a very, very nice looking skin that's still on there. A shield that is not peeling at all, not yellowing, not uh, nothing is really happening to it. It's still very shiny and in, in impeccable condition. Um, so I'm, I'm overall, I'm very impressed with it. That is actually impressive. I mean, because a skin type product generally they start peeling because they're, they're just not the same as some of the other products like uh another one that that i uh, i've had really good luck with is is i skin it and it's a custom printed graphic and it's on 3m film uh a, a vinyl style uh, applique and it's just a regular psa and that has had much much better success on staying around corners without lifting than i've had with any of the invisible shields uh, or clear shields by any of the different manufacturers. Um, but uh, I, I do have to report back on the, the, the water-based, because I know yours is, is not the, the wet-based application, which was a, it's a, that's a unique in itself for the iPhone. But for the, uh, the Palm Pre that uh, also got the review unit of, they, um, it, it is a regular wet adhesive, but the Palm Pre, as you know, it's very, very curved. It's got very, very tight corners around it. And their, uh, their, their particular style of cutting actually really maximizes the coverage and protection of the the corners of the device which most of them don't because the corners have a tendency to lift up but now that it's been i don't even know how many weeks now at least four or five weeks at least that this has been on the the palm pre just the very very tips of the edges maybe a 64th to a 32nd of an inch are starting to just come up now which for that uh, period of time and those sharp of corners is very impressive I do have to say that the the iWrap for the iPhone 4 came with a, a few other pieces as well. 
They had uh, pieces that went along the metal sides, uh, the band that goes around uh, the entire thing. Those were off within about a week. Um, I, I didn't install them real well, um, and so they were they were kind of hanging off in spots. And um, as soon as I the first one I took off, the rest of them just came off right after that. So um, I, I can't say that the little tiny pieces held up all that well, but the the rest of it um, is, is just almost perfect i mean it's it's amazing at, at how great it is and it may have to do with that dry style application as well versus the wet um but you know very little uh, what they call orange peeling on the product it's a very clear skin I, I honestly i never even really think about the fact that i have it on there um it's also very very easy to wipe off in fact every single morning i take a damp washcloth and i wipe off the front of the device to get any sort of fingerprints or you know oils from your face your hands or anything off the device so i am introducing a moderately wet cloth every single morning seven days a week to the front of the device and i'm still not seeing any sort of peeling uh, around the edges or anything like that so uh, a very very solid product and i uh, i absolutely still endorse this one I, i'm i'm very happy with it and so if you're looking for something that stands the test of time um irap is certainly a good one specifically too for the iphone 4 so check that one out if you're looking for that type of product let's get into the news first off this week microsoft announcing new features coming to windows phone 7 mango along with new hardware partners and also the inclusion of 4g in future devices approximately 500 new features have been added in the mango release of wp7 though microsoft focused on a few key updates all of which will be available for free to all windows phone 7 devices starting this fall also mango is the code name only for the update and the actual release number is likely to be windows phone os 7.5 so here's what we've got with this update first off message threading this allows for threading of multiple types of messages by contact that means that all emails texts instant messages and other can be seen together grouped by a specific contact then you've got group support users can finally group friends and family together in the people hub so you can see all of those folks that you're regularly in communication with in those specific groups all together social networking has been updated there's deeper social networking integration across all applications then you've got inbox linking this means multiple inboxes can be viewed at the same time then voice actions which is voice commands and dictation all available in messaging applications uh, where users can now see apps in search results along with the music video and picture hubs live tiles have been improved making them more dynamic and offering additional information to the user then there's ie9 internet explorer has been upgraded to the ninth version and for bing bing vision voice and music uh, joined the standard search which has been improved for better results also bing maps will continue to be the mapping solution for the os and nokia maps will not be used until nokia handsets are launched later this year then we're talking about quick cards when searching for a product movie event or place there's a quick summary of relevant information including related applications in that search they're calling that quick cards and finally web-based uh, windows phone marketplace so customers can now shop share and download apps via a new web-based version of the windows phone market the service will then send the app directly to the handset that's a la android so very similar to what they have microsoft indicated that they are still working on bringing tethering to the platform but acknowledged that ownership of the feature by mobile network operators has caused delays. No time frame for the feature, though the company says stay tuned. Mickey, it looks like we've got a lot of great uh, software functionality coming to uh, to the Windows Phone 7 here. I, I'm, I'm glad they're working on the platform to, to bring more features. The only thing I've got to complain about here is that they're telling us way too early. Uh, I, I was so disappointed when I saw the, that it's going to be some, you know, mystery fall release 
tell us this and then get it out within two weeks. Don't, you know, tell us this and then maybe get it out four, six months from now. That's, that's too long of a wait. It's, it, 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 it just makes you kind of like, well, maybe I won't get this device. Maybe I'll train, you know, I just, you know, get it out there, get people excited and then give it, you know, get it out to the, the phones right away as opposed to these really long lead times. Cause it, I don't know. I'm, I'm really getting disappointed with all these, uh, you know, promises, but it, it's so far off in the future. It feels like it's an eternity. I agree with that. I think it's, it makes more sense to you know, announce it and say, this will be either rolled out today or, you know, say we've got a number of new devices that are coming next week and those will all be launching with the update and all these other features will then be upgraded at that time at, at you know, the time of that launch. But, um, you know, we, we don't have that again. It is a, a fall release is what they're saying with this one. So, uh, very, very vague on the specifics. Yeah, and that's exactly, you know, in Microsoft has done this time and time again, not with maybe with Windows Phone 7, but uh, in the past, you know, they promise features and promise all these things. And then three years later, they never materialize. So I just wish they would, okay, you know, put some patience on and, and just wait, keep these things a secret until they're ready to go. Uh, you know, it, it probably would be beneficial for everyone. Speaking of other devices, Microsoft said that there will be additional hardware makers that will soon bring Windows Phone 7 devices to the consumer. Joining Dell, HTC, and LG are Nokia, Samsung, and Acer, as well as Fujitsu Limited and ZTE. So we've got a number of new partners that are going to be making devices here. So look for additional hardware to come out. And probably similar to what we've seen with, uh, with Android, probably more devices coming out on a more frequent basis. Finally, Microsoft said that Samsung, LG, and HTC would all be shipping new phones with Mango this fall that would also include 4G. No details on the type or which carriers we can expect to get those specific devices. And following reports last week that ST Ericsson would be taking over as the chip maker for WP7, Qualcomm on Tuesday announced that they would be supplying second-generation Snapdragon chipsets for future Mango devices, though no specific model was mentioned. And Nokia, who has joined Microsoft to bring the devices starting later this year, announced that Mango will be the OS that it ships on its multiple devices coming later this year. So look for Mango on all future Nokia devices. The companies say a small portfolio of phones is currently on target for a late 2011 release. So a lot of stuff happening here with Windows Phone. I think it was great to see some uh, some action here. Uh, granted, it's going to be a little while before we see it, but uh, you know, kind of rekindling uh, the interest in this, you know, six months after launch. Well, and that's uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, release cycles and and new products that they, they have to mature. I mean, it takes time for people to to you know, word of mouth to spread. It takes time for features that people want to get included and, and features that, you know, maybe somebody's holding back on Windows Phone because they want, you know, uh, threaded messaging or, you know, unified messaging. Uh, you know, these things take time. And, and, you know, that's the strategy they've chosen to finally get a phone out and now, you know, keep adding features over time, which, you know, it's just just like Android. I mean, that wasn't an instant success. So um, this is kind of the, the nature of the products. And I'm interested to hear from anyone who is using a Windows phone right now and your experience with it and why you're still using it or why you're sticking with it uh, and why you think that the Mango update is going to be bringing some great things. So if you have any uh, comments for us, we'd love to hear them. You can send us an email 
or a voicemail. According to reports from The Loop on Monday, Apple has sent a letter over to Lodsys, the company asking for iOS developers to enter into agreements with the company for patents that they hold. The letter says Apple is undisputedly licensing these patents and the app makers are protected by that license. There's no basis for Lodsys infringement allegations against Apple's app makers. This, of course, just the beginning of what seemingly will be a long battle between developers and the Lodsys organization. Well, Bloomberg Businessweek on Friday posted an article detailing what it says will be the details of Apple's new cloud-based music service. Citing their anonymous sources, the service is said to be constantly scanning a user's iTunes library to keep a simultaneous copy of the songs on Apple's servers. Though rather than uploading the music like Google Music, it will simply map a user to a single copy of the song on Apple servers. The customer then can stream that music to any PC, iOS device, and even someday vehicles. Bloomberg believes the service will come with a fee and possibly be wrapped into Apple's MobileMe service that sells for $99 a year. So a couple other things I heard about this one. It sounds like it's going to essentially, like what they say, allow for one copy of a song to be on Apple servers. And then when the iTunes library is scanned and it finds that particular song, it will match up all the information about that track to what's on the server and uh, then allow you to play it directly from Apple servers. Um, a couple of things with this. Number one, this works really well, especially if you've purchased a, um, you know, a, a song from iTunes and then they have that song on their servers and it'll match up nice and easy. But what about the music that's either been ripped from, uh, you know, CDs that you have uh, where the track information isn't necessarily correct, the ID, th- the ID tags are not correct, or if it's a song that has been pirated, how is that going to play in? Uh, Business Week thinks that it's going to, this is going to be a way, because they're going to be charging for the service, for the record labels to actually get some of that revenue back uh, from what's happened with all the piracy over the last decade. And so I think this is kind of a, this is kind of an interesting thing, and this could potentially be the way of how this type of service needs to work. Obviously, both Amazon and Google with their services force you to take your music and upload it to servers, uh, which is then just essentially holding all of that stuff in a locker versus Apple service, which is saying, okay, you've got a license or at least you've got that song. And now we're going to provide you a service that allows you to stream that music from our servers over to your device. And uh, it's going to be included in this service. And who knows how much of this is real, but I think it's kind of a, this is an interesting way. And a lot of this just makes sense to me. Yeah, and it's something uh, kind of new and unique. Uh, And of course, since Apple is the big player in the digital music domain here, they have the negotiating power to actually get something like this done, whereas Amazon and Google, that they they don't. So basically, they're giving you virtual drives that you upload, like you said, upload your music to. Whereas Apple can, you know, swing this the other way and say, okay, well, we'll give you we'll give you whatever percentage back, and and it's kind of like the fee for for doing this deal, which of course, as you said, you know, maybe can you know make up for music that's not being sold directly from iTunes. Here's one of the other interesting things. They're saying that if a user has a song, and let's say the song is is encoded in, say, 128 kilobit per second, if that song is on Apple servers in, say, 256 uh, quality, the higher quality song will be played back to the user. So it actually takes the, the highest quality version of that song and plays it back. I'm thinking of, of all the you know, concerts and specific uh, you know, rips that people have made, bootlegs and stuff like that. Obviously, none of this is going to be on Apple servers, you know, automatically. So there's going to have to be some sort of uh, also locker that's involved here, I think, where it's not 
you know, the, the, the same type of uh, situation where it's not a song that you would buy from iTunes, but kind of the, the other type stuff. And uh, that will somehow fit into this plan, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, what's interesting, it's, it's taken this long. I know a lot of people, when the iPhone was first announced, this is actually what was expected at the time is to have, you know, over the air music uh, available with the iPhone, because now you've got a cellular data connection available. And uh, it it is interesting. It has taken this long to get to this point, but um, it's definitely an interesting service that, um, you know, we've seen so many rumors of data centers and all the the stuff from Apple building here over the course of a couple of years. Uh, Obviously, I think this is going to play in with the 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 new OS or or whatever the summer announcement is going to be here for Apple. WWDC coming up in uh, just over a week, about 10 days from now. Uh, we'll be uh, hearing more, I'm sure, about this and uh, what else Apple has to talk to us about. Cox Communications on Tuesday revealed that it will decommission its CDMA 3G network and instead use Sprint's network to provide wireless services to its customers. The company had purchased Spectrum and it had been building a 3G network for the customers, but now says it will achieve greater operational efficiencies from a wholesale model. Cox has not, not stated how many wireless subscribers it has or what customers will need to do to make the transition to the new model. Senator Al Franken on Wednesday sent a letter to both Apple and Google requesting both companies require the developers of applications to include clear and understandable privacy policies. According to the letter, Franken says, At the hearing, I asked Dr. Tribble and Mr. Davidson whether Apple and Google would commit to requiring that all applications in the Apple App Store and Android App Market have clear and understandable privacy policies. I'm writing today to renew this request and ask if each of your companies would be willing to adopt a simple first step towards protecting your users' privacy. I ask that you require all location-aware applications in your app stores to provide privacy policies that clearly specify what kind of location information is gathered from users, how that information is used, and how it is shared with third parties. Franken acknowledged that the implementation of formal policies would not resolve most privacy concerns in the mobile market, but he also argued that it would be a simple first step towards protecting personal data. I think this uh, this is an okay one. I'm I'm you know I've been kind of uh, you know arms linked with all the stuff that Franken has been doing uh, with you know with this privacy issues, and he's kind of been on almost talking out of both sides of his mouth at times. But I think this is okay. I think that specific privacy policies put them in place, and I think everyone wins. Well, you know, unfortunately, we do need some oversight here from the government because companies just love to run wild with your information. And if we can kind of, you know, bring in the reins just a little bit here and say, okay, let's do something that, you know, everybody is kind of on a level playing field here as far as, you know, what data is out there and and what is going on with your data and what is the privacy policy and get something kind of standardized. You know, this is, you know, out here to protect the consumers. And uh, this is this is what we need. Yep, I think so. Uh, speaking of privacy, I, I wonder sometimes about the you know these applications that I've I, I have accessed or allowed to access my location data and other things. And um, it's always good, I think, to go back. I went back into my iPhone this week and and went into uh, for me it's settings and then into location services. And I noticed that I had some of the applications that I don't think really need to have my location uh, were were turned on. And so I, I turned it off, like Shazam. Like why does Shazam music really need to have my location? You know, I. I, I just don't see that. Um, so, and, and kayak. I mean, it's kind of nice, I suppose, to have the the airport of the lo- you know your local airport show up. But I don't know. Don't feel like it needs to have it. So, just a, kind of a you know a PSA of of such. You know, take a look at your phone, see what your privacy settings are set at, specifically location as well, 
and uh, maybe make some changes. Google on Thursday announced a new mobile payment system called Google Wallet. The service, first available on Sprint's Samsung Nexus S 4G, allows users to tap their device on a point-of-sale system terminal to pay for goods and services. The NFC-based system will be launched in 300,000 merchant locations, 120,000 of which are in the U.S. Loyalty club cards, such as those in grocery stores, will be supported and automatically applied at the time of purchase. The system will be trialed in New York City and San Francisco to start and fully launch later in the summer. Retailers on board at launch include Macy's, Walgreens, and Subway. Google has also partnered with MasterCard, meaning that Google Wallet is fully compatible with the PayPass contactless payment service. Users must use either a City MasterCard or Google prepaid card with the service, which can be funded with any credit card. Google will also launch the service on new Android devices from Samsung, Motorola, and HTC that feature an NFC chip, though no timeline was given. The T-Mobile version of the Nexus S includes the NFC chip just like the Sprint Cousin, though Google says they'll need to get with T-Mobile to certify the device before bringing that feature to it. Also, Google announced this week a service called Google Offers, delivering an offer of the day to your inbox, very similar to Groupon. The service ties into Google Wallet, and you'll be able to redeem both offers and receive loyalty rewards from retailers with just a tap of your NFC-enabled phone. So here we go, Joey. We are off and running now with one of our first NFC-based payment systems. Uh, first device here, obviously, I think it's it's a good choice because it's something that Google is tightly controlling, and, and we'll see how it goes in the trial programs, and then they can make decisions on devices that they want to certify moving forward. But uh, a couple of big retailers built in there, and they've got MasterCard as, as the backing for it. So I think this makes a lot of sense, and uh, I spent quite a bit of time uh, on the Android Central podcast this week talking about this as well because I'm I'm pretty passionate about this and I, I think this is a very a good thing for consumers. There are security concerns, but I, I think some of these are being overcome by the fact that you will not have a physical piece of plastic that's just sitting in a piece of leather in your pants uh, that people can then use you know to purchase things with. They now there's some levels of security with this. Yeah, it's 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 a new and it's modern and it's uh, encrypted. I, I'm hoping it I'm is assuming that it's that it's at least strongly encrypted as well unlike your credit card that the, the magnetic strip information is just plain text on the the magnetic strip so anybody with a skimmer that's that fits in the side of the size of your little teeny finger you can hide them in your hand uh, like if you're a server or something at a restaurant you can have a skimmer and just skim the information right off the credit card no problem so I like this as well. Uh, I mean, at first I was like, oh, that's terrible. But no, I actually think this is a great idea. And this takes me back to the uh, to the time in Arizona there in the around the, the year 99, 98, when the, the mobile station started having prepass where you had this little thing in your window, a transponder or a little uh, thing on your keychain that you just waved near the, the, the pump and it would just turn on and activate without having to do any sort of uh, payment at the gas station or gas pump. What a great way to go. And, uh, you know, at first I'm like, oh, that's kind of kind of strange and crazy, but but it actually makes a lot of sense. And this is just kind of the next step towards that. I think one of the better things that we find with the mobile phone is, you know, take me, you know, take a ride with me on this example. So when you have your wallet stolen, all someone has to do is pull out a credit card and there are a number of retailers, including most grocery stores and pretty much anyone who takes transactions under $25 that not only don't look at your credit card, but they don't require a signature. So it may as well be just a piece of cash sitting in your wallet at that point. When you're talking about a phone, you're, you're picking up the phone. The Android devices can allow not, not only a pin code, but they can also allow you to do the um, where you draw the actual uh, picture on the screen that, that, that locks the phone. So you can have a specific lock pattern on your phone. So you need that to get into 
to the phone, number one. Uh, and then number two, once they actually find the application on your phone for, for Google Wallet, there's going to be an app-specific pin that you must type in to get in and allow transactions to happen. So there's two levels of security that are there. Uh, this is, I think, in, you know, in many ways, better than credit cards at this point already because it does require multiple steps to get into a device and be able to use it. I fully agree. I mean, it's like you're even though you have a debit card where you have to use a pin number, which is which is great, of course, but it can be used as a credit card in most cases. So that, like you said, it totally bypasses. Even if you've got a signature, you scribble it or it's on the back of the card. and You just look at the I mean, I mean, that signature is worthless. I mean, I just scribble my name down. Nobody, nobody knows. Nobody checks. It doesn't matter. It's just it's kind of a it's some holdover from, I think, 30 years ago. Yeah. Finally here, all payment card credentials will be encrypted and stored on a chip called the security element that is separate from the Android device memory and only accessible by authorized programs. So if you're concerned about, you know, walking past someone and they bump into your pocket, they're not going to be able to pull the information. Number one, your device is locked. It's off. The app isn't launched. Your PIN hasn't been entered in and it's not an authorized program. So there's a lot of checks in here right now. I think this is a good one and I'm pretty, pretty confident that they've got this one set. And I didn't read through the absolute specifics, but since it's being backed by MasterCard, it's probably still affected by the zero liability clause or a $50 limit where if something does happen and unauthorized charges get put on, like most credit cards, uh, you know, you can dispute those charges and go through the normal process and, and probably not be liable for fraudulent charges as well. So I, I, you're kind of like triple protected. Yeah, absolutely. MasterCard has been kind of at the forefront of, of using the PayPass type systems, you know, where you, you take your credit card and you just tap it on the terminal. And uh, so they're, they're in a leadership role here. And I think they've, they've done a nice job with this. So I, I would agree that that is probably a correct statement. You are not going to be liable if there's fraudulent charges or, or at least money removed from your account. That shouldn't have been. HTC CEO Peter Chow announced on Thursday via Facebook that the company has adopted a policy of no longer locking the bootloaders of their devices. According to Chow, there has been an overwhelming customer feedback that people want access to open bootloaders on HTC phones. I want you to know that we've listened. Today, I'm confirming that we will no longer be locking the bootloaders on our devices. Thanks for your passion, support, and patience. The change means that most users will be able to root Android-based HTC smartphones and install custom software if desired. AT&T Wednesday announced that it will be deploying 4G LTE in five markets starting this summer. The rollout includes Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. AT&T also said 10 additional markets will be deployed this year and 70 million Americans will be covered by year's end. Verizon on Monday announced another 21 markets that will receive updates to the 4G LTE network starting on June 16th. Some of those markets include Hartford, Connecticut, Flint, Grand Rapids, and Lansing, Michigan, Daytona and Springfield, Ohio, Salt Lake City, Utah, Erie, Harrisburg, and State College, Pennsylvania, Greensville, South Carolina, Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, or Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, Indiana, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Verizon says they will also expand their LTE network in the San Francisco and Detroit metro areas at this time as well. Verizon on Monday launched a new service called Usage Controls, providing parents the ability to place restrictions and block certain features on their devices. The service, which is $5 per month per line, allows customers to set limits for voice, mis- voice minutes, messages, and data usage. It also designates usage during specific times of the day. Also, account holders may block up to 20 numbers and whitelist another 20 numbers 
allowing dialing even during the prohibited times. Sprint on Thursday announced it would be waiving late fees, overage charges, and roaming fees for its services between May 22nd and June 22nd for the areas in and around Joplin, Missouri. For area, The area was devastated this week by a tornado that has killed over 100 people. Sprint will also be sending charging stations to the area for use by the community. T-Mobile on Monday launched changes to its rate plans, providing more pre- and postpaid options for consumers. The monthly plans now include, on the voice-only side, 500 minutes for $40 and 1,000 minutes for $50. For voice and unlimited text, there's one option, 500 minutes and unlimited texts for $50. And for voice, unlimited text, and data, you've got 500 minutes, unlimited text, and 200 megs of data for $60. 500 minutes, unlimited text, and 2 gigs for $70. 500 unlimited and 5 gigs for $80. And 500 unlimited and 10 gigs for $110. If you're looking for unlimited minutes, you can add 10 Ten dollars to each of those plans, so you have a lot of different options here now. Also, T-Mobile changed its family plan offerings, starting at sixty dollars for a thousand shared minutes and ranging up to two hundred and twenty dollars for unlimited voice, text, and ten gigs of shared data. There are no overage fees for the data, though, as speeds simply drop down to two G speeds once the plan thresholds are reached. Also announced on Monday was the new prepaid monthly 4G plans, offering no contract options for its 4G customers. The two plans include unlimited voice and text and unlimited data at two tiers of unthrottled speeds. The first is $50 a month, offering 100 megs of data. The second is $70 a month for 5 gigs of data. Once a user hits their cap again, speeds will not be uh, or speeds will be reduced to 2G-like speeds, uh, but overage fees will not be implemented. Of course, for those plans, you've got to bring your own device to the plan, uh, though it's a pretty good deal starting at $50 for unlimited everything and 100 megs of data. So I, I kind of like these new plans, Joey, and kind of T-Mobile, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, we're not going anywhere for a while. We've got some plans here. We've got some great phones. If you're looking to get a good deal, come and join in with us. AT&T may be looking to buy us out, but I think we've got some great options. And uh, these are these are looking pretty good, especially if you're looking for something prepaid. Absolutely. You know, back in the uh, few years ago, did a lot of T-Mobile prepaid. I know you had some because you were trying phones out and everything. And, and I, I did here, but uh, as well, and it's great to be able to see these uh, real data prepaid options finally. Yeah, I, I think so. And I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing more companies hopefully can can take the T-Mobile example and, and run with it. I find that T-Mobile, you know, for the most part is the forefront, you know, the forerunner, I should say, in, in creating plans that people like. Um, their customer service is, is well known, uh, but people really like uh, what they have. I mean, there's a, there's a few different options here. And I like the fact that for 50 bucks, I can get, um, you know, 100 megs of data at these 4G speeds. And then after that, um, it, it throttles, it drops down to 2G speeds. But um, I don't have to worry about having to pay any more than that $50 a month. So, um, you know, and if you're someone who really needs the 4G speeds, hey, 20 more bucks a month, you'll get five gigs and you'll be good to go. So uh, great news uh, from T-Mobile for both of, these, uh, both of these things, for both their postpaid and prepaid plans. Lots of uh, great stuff from them. And speaking of the 4G side for T-Mobile, they on Tuesday announced 55 of its 4G network markets would be increasing their speeds up to 42 megabits per second HSPA+. The new speeds welcome with them the Rocket 3.0 USB data stick that's $100 on contract or $200 without. The new markets with access to the network include Atlanta, Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, and Phoenix. I'll have a full list posted on the website if you'd like to check out if your area is covered by the faster speeds. Well, thanks to our first sponsor of the show, Square Trade. Protect your investment through a special offer from Square Trade. 
prices 70% lower than in-store warranties. And if you visit squaretrade.com slash junkie, you'll get an additional 25% off your order. They offer a five-day guarantee, meaning you either have a fixed device or your money back within five days. Squaretrade.com slash junkie. Click on get a warranty. And once you're done, you'll see your discount in the order summary for 25% off your total purchase. Thanks to Square Trade for sponsoring the show. I heard from a couple of you this week that took advantage of the Square Trade offers and had a, a few glitches in there. I think we've got that all worked out. So if you're someone that's looking for a warranty, please check us out. Squaretrade.com slash junkie. A couple of pieces of device news this week. First off, nearly 11 months after the launch of the iPhone 4 in the U.S., India will have its first opportunity to purchase the device starting this week. India mobile carrier Airtel is launching the device on Friday on both pre- and postpaid plans. The device will cost the equivalent of $763 for the 16-gig version or $905 for the 32-gig model. Uh, Aircell is offering a reverse subsidy program, allowing you to recover the full cost of the iPhone 4 in monthly credits over the two-year period. I, I read this and, and I thought, okay, well, it's kind of neat that it's coming. But the more interesting piece of news on this one was this reverse subsidy. And it, it makes a lot of sense, right? You go and pick up a phone and uh, let's, you know, in our model here in the U.S., you get that phone and you walk out the door with that phone for really about $200 out of your pocket. Uh, you are required then to pay this carrier over the course of, you know, the two year, the two years. And, uh, you know, it gets written off essentially over that period. But what, what Aircell is doing is, or Airtel, is taking the phone, making you pay for the whole thing up front. And then let's say you've got a $50 plan. Well, maybe they're only, you know, making you pay $20 per month uh, for your plan. And that $30 is then credited back towards, uh, you know, the purchase of the phone essentially on their end. And it makes a lot of sense. So you've got people that have got the iPhone in their hands, uh, but there's no fear that they could just, you know, stop paying their contract and, and they'd be out the, the money here that they've paid for the device. So I kind of like this. In in many regards, this makes a lot of sense. I don't see this type of uh, plan coming to the U.S., but it was a very interesting one to uh, hear about happening over in India. Verizon on Wednesday announced the LG Revolution coming to their network starting on Thursday, May 26th. The device first announced at CES features Android 2.2, 4G LTE, and a 4.3-inch display. It also has a 5-megapixel camera and a 1-gigahertz processor. The device is available both in stores and online starting on the 26th for $250 with contract. Nokia on Wednesday launched the C200 and the X101, both dual-SIM feature phone handsets geared towards developing nations. The C200 is available through India and China, as well as other developing regions for only 45 euros. The phone features one of the SIM slots accessible from the outside of the phone and one on the inside. The X1 Dash 01 is a variant of the X100 that features a specially tuned speaker that handles loud volumes without distortion. The X1 sells for 34 euros and has 43 days of standby time. Both feature dual standby, allowing calls and messages to be received on both numbers without needing to switch back and forth between SIMs. So I think this is pretty uh, pretty unique and uh, a great feature, you know, for people that have got multiple SIM cards. And, you know, possibly if you're a traveler, this could make some sense too. You can pick up a local SIM in the area that you're at, make your outgoing calls on one, 
get your incoming calls on the other, and uh, you're saving saving some money. So I like that option. Well, if you're looking for another way to support the Cell Phone Junkie, you can join us on TCPJ Unlocked, our bi-monthly premium podcast for only $5 a month, $12 a quarter, or $45 for an entire year. You'll hear in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, as well as interviews with industry experts and much more. Visit thecellphonejunkie.com and click the link for TCPJ Unlocked. A big thank you to everyone that subscribes. And if you're interested, we've got a special interview coming up this week with Matt Miller. You know him from the Mobile Gadgeteer, as well as Mobile Tech Roundup and other places around the internet. We talk about everything from what's going on with the Google Nexus S to Windows Phone to the BlackBerry Playbook. It's a great show. Thanks to Matt very much for joining us. Check that one out. Available on Tuesday. Stephen Elop of Nokia this week said that software updates for Symbian devices can be expected for another five years or until 2016. According to the CEO, there is a long history still to be paved for Symbian in the future. Symbian had previously announced the future development of the OS, but this is the first time a date has been associated with that report. Verizon confirmed on Wednesday that the Motorola Droid X will be upgraded to Android 2.3 Gingerbread starting on Friday. You may have started to see the reports rolling in online that people were receiving the updates, though it appears that there was a test uh, market that was sent out first and then uh, others are, are still waiting to receive it. It will be pushed out to users in waves over the next few weeks. And Google Thursday updated its Google Music application for Android. Updates now allow the deletion of songs from the micro SD card, along with some other bug fixes. The update is free and available in the Android market. And Netflix issued an update to its Android application on Thursday, bringing additional device support and a few bug fixes. Adding to the five devices already supported are the LG Revolution, Motorola Droid, and Casio G's One Commando. Also included in the bug fixes is the removal of the check that prevented playback on unsupported devices. Users have already noted that if the Netflix APK file is obtained, it can be installed on nearly any Android handset, and the app will playback video on the device. Very good news. I'm happy about that. I, I love Netflix, and I love the instant streaming, and I, I love the fact that I came to the uh, to the Android platform there when I was actually testing the Nexus S. So it's uh, cool to see that on here. Uh, I'm kind of surprised the uh, the Zoom didn't even launch with Netflix, but um, we're, we've got uh, good news here for the Netflix people. Uh, that's one of my biggest concerns, is the, the best Netflix experience is on a big screen. So uh, the TV, of course, but now we're talking about tablets that are out there. Think about on the iOS side, the first version of the Netflix application to come out was for the iPad. It just makes sense that this would be on the Zoom, the Galaxy Tab 10.1, and even the 7-inch tablets. And it's a little confusing and disturbing that they haven't been able to make that happen yet because I absolutely think this is going to be a bigger hit on the tablets than it is on smartphones. I agree fully, but I'm, I'm sure it will be there soon. I, I'm, I'm confident they'll get it there. Well, let's, uh, let's certainly hope so, right? A couple of questions this week. Actually, first a comment. This comes from Anton. He says, music in the cloud is the trend for 2011, huh? Well, I also remember one of the trends from 2010, carriers killing unlimited data plans. I guess you get my point. Well, that's, that's a great point, I guess, right? I mean, this, was, uh, th- this is something that is starting to roll out. We're going to see it. It's going to happen. Um, I think we were a little bit negative about it on a previous show, and I'm still, uh, I am concerned about data limits and, and how this is going to, uh, you know, how the caps that people have, or at least the, uh, you know, the, the soft limits where it starts to restrict the, the amount of, of music there, or data that you can stream, and customers just may not understand what that means. But uh, yeah, it, it's certainly the trend. So thanks for that comment. And definitely the the unlimited plans are seemingly on the rocks here as well. I mean, with the exception of Sprint, uh, unfortunately, of course, I'd I'd rather have unlimited plans. But 
if they can make a fair price for limited plans where you can pay for extra data at you know reasonable prices, then I, I guess that's okay. I guess, right? But I mean, when is this? You know, how long is this going to take? You know, to happen? I mean, you know, AT and T, right? I mean, this is this is an interesting one. There's so many people, customers on AT and T that have got this unlimited data plan that will probably hold on to it for dear life for you know years and years to come. But there's got to be a point where we're going to find ourselves on these 3G plans and we're going to want to migrate over to a 4G device. And again, they're not going to allow it to happen without a 4G plan. So uh, it, it's just it's coming down the pike. Um, you know, maybe with LTE uh, and some more of the, you know, enhanced backhaul that they keep telling us about that we'll see ourselves in a, a better situation at some point. But um, I, I'm still concerned and, and not real thrilled about some of these caps. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big music streaming person. Granted, I only go through about two gigs a month, but it's enough to where I, I know that my limited usage extrapolated out over someone who's listening to it, you know, all day or every day or, you know, watching video or doing whatever, you're going to run into problems. So, um, yeah, but we get your point, Anton. Thanks. And uh, finally, a question from Paul. He says, guys, love the podcast. Being interested in all things mobile means comparing U.S. and New Zealand mobile phones and plans. One plan in the U.S. is hard to get my head around, and you may be able to clarify it. Prepaid. Down here, you prepay money on your phone to last 12 months from the day of the payment or until you use it up. Amounts start at $20 and go up to about $60. From what I can see, looking at the AT&T and Verizon prepaid accounts, they normally only last one month, like the postpaid account by which our standards seems pretty poor. But drilling down into Verizon's website, I came across some info. It says the refill expiration date once applied to the account will for $15 to $30, the, uh, the amounts expire in 30 days, from $7 $75 to $99, the amounts expire in 180 days. $30 to $75 expires in 90 days. And if you if you top up with over $100, it expires in more than a year. Does that mean if I put $100 down on a prepaid account, it will last 12 months if I use the phone very little over the year? Thanks in advance. Keep up the great work. Regards, Paul in New Zealand. All right, Paul. Well, uh, you, you kind of hit it right on the head. That's exactly what it is. Um, the $100 mark is what seems to be kind of that uh, that mark, that gold standard for prepaid services here in the U.S. Once you hit 100 bucks on a single top-up, uh, that credit is available for a year. I think, Joey, you've actually done this, right, with uh, the T-Mobile services where you get the uh, the prepaid credit. It lasts for a year uh, for them as well if you put 100 bucks on. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much what it is, Paul. It's uh, it's pretty simple. You uh, put a hundred bucks on, you get it for a year. Uh, if not, uh, you know, have fun playing the uh, the bingo here. You know, whether how much you put on <laughs> gives you depends on how many days that you've got. So, uh, but uh, you know, unless you're going to be here in the U.S., I hope you're not planning on getting a Verizon prepaid card because. That's not going to work real well for you down there in New Zealand. Anyway, if you have any questions for us, give us a call, 206-203-3734. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, you can send an email, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com, or send a text message to 775-773-TCPJ. That's 8275. Every news story we talk about on the show is, can be found on our website at thecellphonejunkie.com or fed through Facebook at facebook.com slash thecellphonejunkie or on Twitter at twitter.com slash cellphonejunkie. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.